Hello and welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from Onshaw.net. Episode 25. Provide free school lunches to all children. Hello and welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education. Uh, my name is Simon Lewis from Onshaw.net. Um, now, before I begin this episode of If I Were the Minister for Education, I do want to start with um, with an apology. Um, on last week's show, I, I, I suppose I, I tore strips out of the Protestant community um, of Ireland getting easier access to teacher training college in DCU than anybody else, than everybody else. Uh, if you weren't uh, tuning into the episode, basically this year in 2019, if you were a member of the Protestant community or any other Christian faith other than Catholic, uh, you needed uh, 105 fewer points uh, to get into teacher training than anybody else. Uh, you can have a listen back. But anyway, um, I suppose on social media, I got accused by a number of teachers of, um, I suppose, being prejudiced against a minority um, for, um, and then um, also making um, all sorts of inaccurate claims. So I, I listened back to the episode just to see if that was the case. And in fairness, I did get one thing wrong. So I would like to correct that. Um, so if you go to last week's episode, at the very, very end, I give a preview of the following um, episode. And I what I did um, when I was suppose introducing what I'm going to talk about this week, I stated that 11% of primary schools will be getting hot school lunches this year thanks to a government um, pilot project uh, providing 36 schools um, with hot lunches. Now, of course, this is absolute nonsense. 36 schools does not equate to 11% of primary schools. It's actually roughly about 1% of schools. So um, I'm sorry about that. Yes, this week I will be focusing on Grubba um, a week or two uh, after a freedom of request uh, uh, was revealed uh, information on the Hot Lunches project for these 1% of schools, the 36 schools that got hot school lunches um, in a pilot project. I think it's a pilot project anyway. I have a feeling this pilot project may become, um, I suppose, a project for those 36 schools. Um, anyway, in this episode, I'll be trying to figure out um, all about lunch provision in Ireland and why it is the way it is um, and is it unusual um, compared to other countries around the world. So what I might do is um, to start off with I suppose is to give a history of school lunches in Ireland um, because I suppose um, I didn't know when the whole scheme started before I started looking into it and I was kind of surprised to hear that um, it actually started over 100 years ago in 1914 before the before the Irish Free State uh, even existed. Um, but I suppose what didn't surprise me once I learned that was very little has changed since 1914. Um, basically how it all began was in about the late 19th century, educationalists in England observed that children could not concentrate in schoolwork and learn easily while they were feeling hungry. Uh, and we know that obviously is true today. So in 1879, authorities in Manchester started providing free food to poor hungry children. So pressure amounted on the government um, to encourage all education authorities to provide meals. And eventually in 1906, this legislation was allowed. Um, it didn't oblige the local authorities to provide school meals, but it certainly allowed it. And this is why in 1914, because we were obviously still under the um, remit of the English government, uh, that uh, we were then able to provide school meals. Um, just 
um, a bit, just to go a little bit outside of Ireland. Um, and I always like to use Finland as our example because, um, you know, Finland are the kings of education, let's say. Um, in Finland, school dinners have been provided since the Second World War, so a little later. But they've been used by the government. Um, they were used in the government in the 1980s to introduce new dietary plans, uh, which they wanted to address. And they, they actually successfully reduced because of this. There was a high rate of heart disease in Finland. And actually, uh, um, interestingly, this new um, this uh, school lunches or school meals program helped to reduce the um, the rates of heart disease and subsequently uh, mortality amongst uh, the Finnish population, which is uh, really, really interesting and, and really um, does prove uh, the point that if you get to children as early as possible, you can make a huge impact. Um, I mean, again, we like Finns are just amazing, aren't they? I mean, they really, really are. Um, anyway, uh, our school uh, meals program is now operated by the Department of Social Protection, um, and it helps finance the provision of school services or food services uh, for disadvantaged uh, school uh, for uh, disadvantaged school children. Um, not all school children, uh, just children um, who would be perceived or um, qualify as disadvantaged. So currently what the Department of Social Protection does um, is it doesn't actually directly provide the food, which would be um, which would make sense because it's the Department of Social Protection. Um, it takes a backseat role and basically has no function in the provision or organization of school meals, uh, as m- most of you will know, because you are a school who shouldn't be, uh, who shouldn't be responsible for that either, but you are. Um, but basically what it does, uh, the school, uh, this Department of Social Protection merely approves children's eligibility for these meals and um, it reimburses expenses and provides the funding so that's kind of um what they do um, it has been studied um quite recently and uh, in a european study of 18 countries um you won't be surprised to hear it is viewed as inefficient uh, due to its high operation cost and the poor quality of food provided um, and they go on to say that a lack of awareness poor take-up and food wastage are considered to be further inefficiencies in the service so as you can imagine, um, if an organ, if a government department basically gives money um, and has no sort of overseeing or a sort of overseeing role in the in the provision of the food of, of it, there's going to be uh, problems, inefficiencies, and things like that. So we're going to look back a little bit and uh, see um, if we can learn anything. And I'm going to go back to 1937, just before the Second World War, um, because there were reports every year uh, published by the Department of Education. A lot of um, my research in these podcast episodes come from uh, annual Department of Education reports. Um, um, if you're a nerdy kind of person like me, uh, you'll find some of them interesting, some of the st- uh, statistics interesting, and I do go through a lot of them um, in in some episodes where that's warranted. But uh, this one um, isn't really statistical. It just gives um, a few snapshots of the school meals uh, provision in Ireland um, around that year in 1937. So I'm going to take three areas just to give an example of how did school meals work in Ireland. So I'm going to look at Dublin, Waterford and Cavan. So, so I suppose um, a highly urban area, um, another city I guess uh, in Waterford and then uh, Cavan which would be a rural area. So in Dublin um, basically the report says the meals usually uh, supplied uh, that, that were supplied usually consisted of soups, stews, right? we don't get that too much, milk, cocoa, don't get that either, uh, bread and butter or jam. Um, they also uh, had milk from tuberculum-tested herds. So I suppose tuberculosis was um, a big a big deal back then. So they had to. I, I guess that, <laughs> I don't know what the um, 
what the term is or what the, the thing is today, but tuberculin tested herds seem to be the key phrase. Um, it's supplied in bottles uh, to numbers of schools and the introduction of this class of milk in schools generally is still under consideration. So I, I, I don't know too much about this. I'm sure if you're in the farming trade, you might know what it is. Um, but as the matter is one presenting many difficulties peculiar to schools, a precise scheme has not yet been devised. So, I mean, effectively, I don't know what that means really, other than they were given soups and stews, milk, cocoa, bread, butter and jam. Not bad really, um, if you compare it to what, ta- what you're getting today. Um, in Waterford, the scheme for the provision of school meals um, continued. Um, milk was uh, supplied in pint bottles um, and basically um, the principal object uh, was to give each child a separate supply of milk um, uh, but the school basically had to provide their own mugs and um, it goes on a lot about that it talks about sterilization straws uh, which uh, which were also sterilized as well um, which is interesting um, so a lot of sterilization there's the, uh, around back then but all the straws are discarded <laughs> after use on each occasion I'm sure uh, that's uh, quite funny in uh, I suppose these days of sustainability um, the idea of single uh, use plastic straws um, and uh, basically a lot of milk um, in fact um, a huge amount of milk and a huge amount of detail about milk and then they say after about three five or six sentences um, the, uh, each child in receipt of the milk is provided with a current bun so they got a bit of a bun as well which isn't too bad uh, in Cavan a bit shorter uh, basically they um, regulations are in operation and they get a, a high, half pint of this tuberculin tested milk but they also get bread and jam that's given to the boys I didn't mention the girls so I don't know what that's about um, occasional visits were made during the year to the centres where meals were being given and the arrangements for distribution and for the cleaning of vessels was always found to be satisfactory you'll be glad to know all you cabin people so um, I mean really very little has changed in um, the hundred years or so um, since the uh, since the introduction it was always its aim uh, to give uh, children in disadvantaged situations rather than a universal system. And, yeah, I mean, the food has changed somewhat. Uh, not much. It's still bread-based with a filling. Um, um, and you may get milk, but you also can get water uh, these days and a piece of fruit. I didn't see much fruit back in those uh, days. I don't know. But not as much as one would expect. So, I mean, how does it work in 2000 and 19 or well, or roughly around that time of the year or uh, roughly this era um well basically if you are on the school meals program um you can have a um a grant uh, given to you uh, for breakfast and for lunch and, and a couple of other things but for schools really it's a breakfast club or a lunch club and you have to apply for both separately uh, just for lunch just so you know um you get one euro 40 per child per day um to supply a lunch for a child um, that uh, consists of a something like a sandwich. Um, when I say like a sandwich, um, it could be a roll. It could be um, apparently a salad will do the job with, um, but there's to be a carbohydrate base to it. Um, you get a piece of fruit and you get a drink um, of either water or milk. Um, in in the last couple of years, they've uh, the Department of Education have issued um, healthy eating uh, guidelines. So certain foods and drinks are no longer acceptable. So they don't want any white bread anymore or juices and things like that, which is you know again fairly understandable. And um, what you apply for, um, by the way, for schools is you get ninety a maximum of ninety percent of what you apply for. Um, so basically, if you have a hundred pupils, um, you apply for let's say for all of those children, a hundred multiplied by one hundred and eighty three days, multiplied by one euro forty, whatever that might be and then you basically apply for that and you'll get about 90% of that back if you're approved 
Yeah, just to mention again, uh, as I said, the Breakfast Club, that's 60 cent per day per pupil. So, um, and again, uh, there's uh, special requirements for what you can give for that. Um, if you're a second level uh, student, and I know this episode is totally focused on primary uh, schools, naturally you get more because that's basically what always happens when we talk about education in Ireland. Um, for whatever reason, we invest the least in primary schools. Um, but anyway, that's for another episode, um, and we've already done that episode actually. Um, anyway, we're going to, um, what schools have to do then, right? They get money for the food. So the 140 covers the food, but you get nothing else. You get nothing for, um, for example, uh, cutlery, uh, if you wanted that, plates. Um, and in this era of sustainability, um, do you know, uh, we're moving away from single-use products like paper plates or plastic cutlery or straws or, um, or the likes of that. So, I mean, effectively, you're, you're, you're sort of constricted by what you can give children because they're, they, don't really, you know, they really only have their hands because schools don't have any extra money to be buying all this uh, extra stuff um, such as you know um, all this cutlery and plates and also who's going to clean up after them because they don't provide any staff um, they don't provide um, anyone to prepare the food they don't have any they don't supply anyone to deliver the food um, all that has to be done um, somehow from a magic purse um, you know which is which is a bit a bit um, annoying i suppose at best but actually um what schools do um well is they, they have to be very creative and inventive um and um and that's what schools do best i suppose they find ways to do things to do the impossible um i suppose the the other thing that's a bit strange um and i, I there is a reason behind this and i suppose it's it's not really about school about this episode particularly but a touch it's it's it's, it's related uh, schools also have to have a separate bank account for these school lunches and this is a result i think there were four school principals that basically pocketed the uh this this grant um at, at, at some point at some point in the last 10 15 years um I, I, I think I, I talked about one in particular um, in, in sort of a, he went to jail uh, for, for it. Uh, when I used to do um, a roundup of the news um, on these podcast uh, episodes, um, one of them got convicted um, and, his, and, his, um, and he went to jail for it, uh, which is obviously good enough. Um, I'm not really sure what happened in the other cases. But uh, anyway, that's an aside. Um, the other thing is that, uh, sorry, just going back to what schools have to do, we actually have to source the food ourselves as well. Um, so... I mean, and you can do what you want. Um, I mean, uh, you could pop over to your local Tesco or Super Value or wherever, um, or cash and carry or whatever, I don't know, and, and get all the food you need, somehow get it prepared. Um, I don't, don't even think about hygiene. Um, and then, um, then send it into the classrooms. Or you do what most schools would have done, and there is an inc- there is actually a comp- entire business structure um, based on school lunches, where uh, big catering companies somehow, um, well, not somehow, they provide uh, school lunches uh, for one euro forty per day per pupil, uh, deliver it to schools, and sometimes even deliver it to the classrooms, all for one forty per pupil per day. Um, apparently, it's not that difficult to do, but as you can imagine, I think one forty for a sandwich, piece of fruit, and water. It's not easy to do that very nicely. I mean, you'll get you'll get food that cheap, but is it very very healthy? I wonder. Um, sometimes uh, it, it it takes a lot of invention for that to happen. But effectively, you know, what what this 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 kind of whole structure now 
means that you've got a bunch of these companies vying for this business. You, you like I, I, I am in one of the schools with the school meals program, and every year I get like in the staff room around April May, I get about five different companies sending me in platters of the most wonderful food in the world, and it's lovely for the staff room and everything else. But effectively, it's all the same. It's all kind of a sandwich, piece of fruit and bottles of water and then they throw in loads of stuff that you'll never get anyway from um for the staff room uh, in order to entice you away from the company you're in so it's obviously a lucrative enough business if there's about five or six companies around the country uh doing it but to be honest with you because of all the because of the lack of everything else it is a bit boring um you know having the same food or the same like this so i mean if you think about when you're at home um, if you stayed at home and you were having your lunch, you probably wouldn't eat the same type of lunch. You wouldn't have a sandwich every day. Now, maybe you would, um, but you'd usually have something different. Um, but anyway, that's uh, that's what the system looks like. Uh, that's what you get. Um, so is there any research out there on the school uh, lunch program, or the school meals program? Um, there kind of is, there has been, and um, from the bits and pieces I've looked at, um, I'm going to look at some of the earlier enough research, maybe 35 years ago. So um, basically back in 1985, uh, the ERC did a report and someone called Claire Carney, um, um, she is from UCD, um, she basically uh, investigated the school's meal program and this won't be surprising to hear uh, for anyone. This is 35 years ago. Um, they were gonna, uh, she was basically examined um, to ascertain how and why the scheme came into being. Well, I think we've covered that. How um, they were administered in the past um, and are being administered at present. Uh, what needs they uh, were set up to meet and are meeting today, which is interesting. So we know before they were for children, poor, poor children as they were known. Um, we, we now use the word disadvantaged. Uh, basing the schemes on permissive rather than mandatory legislation clearly has proved a major impediment to their development since successive government ministers have denied being accountable for their organization or for the quality of the food provided. So uh, that's the long way of saying basically, you know, that the scheme isn't isn't monitored by the government and they deny any any kind of thing because they outsource everything. Pretty much like education, as we discussed in the last uh, episode and several other episodes, basically the Department of Education don't provide education in this um they provide for education in the same way the department of social protection don't provide the food they provide for the food which is interesting so basically with the consequences this is urban-based uh, schemes but uh, the urban-based scheme established in 1914 has remained virtually unaltered that's interesting so i mean that, uh, I, I think we said that and the provision for meals in rural areas which actually wasn't introduced until 1930 is severely restricted to specific areas and it's actually only quail-tucked areas that get them which i did i don't know if that's the same now 35 years later uh but that, that's interesting in 1985 um and basically entitlement and funding procedures are still remain separate from those applicable to social assistance services in general so if you so that's interesting too so if you're on social welfare you don't necessarily qualify if you go to the i suppose in inverted commas wrong school um so basically um the study really gives out a lot um I, i'm not going to go through the study because it's very very long um but and actually we don't learn very much um, there's nothing really new um, it is what it is um, this assisted nothing has really changed um, for over a hundred years which is amazing so we're going to look at uh, other countries um, because often that's an interesting way to look at things to compare how do other countries do uh, school meals um, and uh, we'll have a look at some of the key findings of a, of a study a recent study in 2008 uh, which looked at 18 countries um, ways of providing school meals um, and I'll look at their key findings before I you know home down in a few of them and I'm just going to read them as they are because um, 
they are quite interesting um, and every time Ireland is mentioned I'll, I'll go a little slower um, so basically your provision um, the key finding is really that provision varies from a very limited services in countries <laughs> you'll never guess who the first country is yes from a very limited service in countries such as the Republic of Ireland and Germany well at least Germany's there they're, 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 yeah. and it were only pre-packed sandwiches and soup are provided resulting in many children making alternative arrangements um, so basically that I think that sums us up pretty well. Um, and then it move, uh, varies uh, like to countries in the UK, interesting, Sweden and Finland, of course, Finland, where a full canteen style service is generally provided. Um, government funding of school meals also varies across countries uh, from long-term funding to cover the full cost of meals, that's Sweden and Finland, who are the two um, big ones out there, to the provision of financial support to drive and improve standards and take up of school meals. So England, Scotland and Italy, if I, 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 that's fine. And a third funding policy is seen in countries where government invests in meal programs targeting deprived regions. Uh, so that's more in South America. Um, they also look at catering services. They differ between countries. Um, just to go through uh, some of their findings, in Spain, they use external private companies um, who are contracted to provide school ca uh, catering. Whereas in Italy, 92% of schools have meals cooked in the school kitchens and they source organic and local produce. God, that sounds like a dream. Italian food in school and it's all organic and cooked on site. Wow, I think we might, I think I might be tempted to move over there. Um, the average spend on ingredients for an individual meal um, generally across the 18 countries ranges from 30p, uh, so about, uh, this is all sterling, and only 31p in Wales, that was in 2004, wow, uh, to £1.50, sterling is about 180 or so in France, that was in 2005. So we're not doing too badly with the €1.40, it's probably at that time, um, because I don't know what sterling was like, but it was in around, I suppose, £1, £1.20, I guess. Um, basically, the average purchase price of a canteen meal varies from 98p in America, which is tiny, gosh, that's yuck to four pounds fifty in parts of france um, and most countries offer uh, free school meals or reduced price meals to those families who qualify with the exception of australia that's in fine however in sweden and finland free school meals are offered to all pupils in compulsory education regardless of their ability to pay and that's kind of what i'm proposing um for us to do i mean this this isn't this isn't hard um i mean if sweden and finland can do it um we can do it too, they're, they're, and, and effectively, um, I'll go through my reasons a little later in the podcast, but that's basically what I'm looking for. Um, basically, and just to go through the take-up in these two countries, it says 95% of Finnish and 85% of Swedish school children eat a main course most days. Wow. So almost everybody. And over 85% of school food in 18 um, countries, uh, in the 18 countries, um, the the take up is in in Japan, for example, there are eighty five um sorry eighty five percent take up in Japan as well. Uh, but uh, if we look at other countries, nine percent in Canada. Um, but and the vast majority take packed lunches there. So these are just key findings. I don't I don't know if any of this is interesting, but it might be nice to compare to Ireland. Uh, many schools with canteen style services serve two to three courses at lunchtime. Although in France, four course meals are not uncommon. Wow, fancy. Um, in most countries, um except finland 
Uh, so packed lunches aren't actually permitted in Finland. That's very interesting. Many children take packed lunches. Um, the dining experience differs across the countries owing to differing dining room capabilities and capacities. And more often than not, space is limited, although most countries try to accommodate pupils by providing adequate facilities and space for them to sit down and eat their school meal or packed lunch. And in many countries, it's not possible for schools to have dedicated rooms for dining and hence some dining areas are multi-purpose. So, I mean, like your school hall. Um, yeah, so it says assembly or sports halls uh, often hold other, uh, and they often hold other classes as well. So um, it's normal that schools in Hong Kong and many in Japan don't actually have a dining hall and children eat, their, eat in their classrooms. I think that's very like Ireland, um, but for, very, for different reasons. I think many of you might have seen um, the uh, video on YouTube of Japanese children serving each other their uh, school lunches in the classroom and how they tidy up after themselves and everything. It looks, it's amazing really to, to I suppose it's not really amazing it's it's what we should and could be able to do um in italy uh, children sit down around uh, round tables with tablecloths and proper cock crockery and cutlery uh, to enhance the whole meal experience that's very interesting and and, and um I, i have to say um and basically it says lunchtime should be given due to uh, consideration when planning the school day to allow all pupils to benefit from the social experience provided by school meals in the uk the lunch typically runs from between 30 and 60 minutes so you get 30 to 60 minutes to eat your lunch eat not just not, okay in finland you eat for 30 minutes and in france it's at least 45 minutes and um, in japan it's up to 50 minutes um but usually um it reduces in secondary school sweden it's 70 minutes long and um, breakfast clubs are becoming increasingly common in many schools apart especially in the uk and the provision of breakfast or morning snacks in france and sweden is encouraged and only sweden and finland provide free school meals to all pupils in compulsory education regardless of their ability to pay i think i said that already so behold finland again and sweden but f- behold finland they're always up there and, and why I mean, another reason they're providing free school meals to children. Why is their education so good? Um, it must there must be a link between feeding children good food and uh, and learning um, and their learning abilities. Um, we'll, we'll we'll have a look at uh, uh, again some of the uh, go go a little bit further into why why is Finland so hot as usual? Um, well, their labour costs are reduced in Finland because um, from primary school children serve themselves and they clear away their own trays. So there you go. I don't, you know, they actually, um, that's very interesting. So if you have a canteen, children are able. So if you've ever been to Ikea, which I'm sure you have, um, and I know that's a Swedish company, um, but I would imagine it's very similar. You know the way at the end of your Ikea meal, you clear stuff away, you know, no one does it for you. And uh, we seem very capable of doing that. I don't think, uh, I think that's something to learn. Um, But anyway, they said um, in 2007, the average cost of producing a free meal in Finland in 2007 was two euro 31 now i know that's a lot more than one euro 40 it's interesting though i mean there is a cost is a you know the cost of living in finland is obviously higher than ireland um so maybe you know when we take that into account could we be down to about two euro per child i don't know um the cost of the ingredients to the local authorities um is 92 cent so actually 140 we charge we give for the food they only need 92 cent for the food um, which is forty percent of the final purchase me- uh, price of the meal. So, look, you know, we're 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 if this is this is possible. I mean, that's those figures are very possible. 
Um, we'll look at free free meals here, and they're available to all uh, to all in compulsory education. So from the age of seven to eighteen in Finland, so you get a free school meal every single day. And um, basically, ninety nine percent of children eat their breakfast, and ninety four percent have a daily school lunch. And according to the study uh, in two thousand three, um, they that, that, that basically ninety five percent of all people um, of all pupils eat the school lunch. So that's huge. Um, they have a cafeteria style service and the dining area is often referred to as a restaurant um, and it's got lots of long tables, real crockery, real um, cutlery uh, and the teachers and pupils sit together and the school lunch um, basically supports learning of manners, finished customs. So again, a bit of learning can be done here and lunch can happen from any time uh, between half 10 in the morning and 12, um, usually lasting for 30 minutes. Um, packed lunch, they're banned. Um, and a meal has to contain a main course, a salad, drink and bread and margarine every day. There is no choice, although increasingly schools obviously are um, offering something vegetarian uh, because of uh, dietary requirements. So that's Finland. That's all they do. Now, to be honest with you, there's nothing really there that's undoable. Um, let's go back to Ireland. Um, so Ireland provides two disadvantaged kids, so about 400 schools, so about 12, 13%, we get around my percentages right this time, uh, this uh, this week. Um, and they provide a very limited and inefficient service, as they call it. Um, but as well as that, the Irish government supports these other schemes, these short-term schemes to all schools. Things like um, Incredible Edibles and Food Dudes, you've probably heard of them. Short-term schemes with very little success. I mean, really, I mean, I, I've, I've, I've been through them. I mean, for example, and I don't mean to pick on one, but one, one like food dudes. Food dudes is where you, where they, where this, I don't know what company it is, but um, or some agency anyway. They um, basically send in um, loads and loads of little plastic bags full of um, red, uh, peppers and tomatoes and cucumbers and and other other bits and pieces in, in little plastic bags so they sweat there for the uh, for the morning and uh, then the children basically are told now eat them uh, eat, eat a packet of them and we'll give you a free ruler or a, or a, or a, a pencil case or something and oh jeez I don't know it's it's like training a dog or something or like it's, I'm a celebrity get me out of here or something I, I, I don't know um, but effectively what you get is that you, <laughs> I always find it funny because the children eat veg and fruit just eat the food and they go Mm, that was nice. Oh, I get a pencil case because I just eat food I'm going to eat. And you have these children who, who, who I, know, I know this is the children they're targeting, and they they have a cherry tomato in their hand, and they're gagging, and they're like, just give it a lick. <laughs> just take a little little teeny bite from it or whatever it might be. Um, I, I just remember like finding cherry cherry tomatoes in toilets and and and. and burst grapes and pockets and all sorts of stuff it's just it's just it really doesn't work um and and uh, they really need to revisit it but um anyway they they have all these statistics to say it does work so you know statistics are always right um anyway on the whole uh, daily uh, basis of school lunches uh, so less than 15 percent of schools by the way you get your with your sandwich um well in, instead of um instead of extending this to all schools i mean wouldn't be wouldn't rather than just jumping on this hot meat hot meals program because this seems to be the the, the thing that's good the, the, the government is like oh let's provide hot meals um to 36 schools like like why i, I rather than just actually saying okay we provide 15 percent of schools roughly with with not hot lunches why not why not just up that to you know more 50 percent of schools or, or 100 percent of schools if you could no no we're going to provide 
36 schools with hot lunches, um, you know, which is which is one like roughly one percent of schools, um, you know, I I just don't understand they would do this. Uh, really, you know, I, I I get they need to pilot these things. Fair enough, and I, I maybe it is a pilot. I don't know, but uh, I suppose the newspapers had a field day when they did it because they now said government are now providing hot lunches and uh, the tabloids were delighted because they could give out about vegans because uh, so the headlines were schools must now provide a vegan option for students as if like veganism was some sort of cult or something um i'm, I'm not a vegan by the way but I, I i just i just find the the whole um cultism or idea of veganism being a cult i'm um, even saying veganism like um it, you know suggests that it's something weird um but anyway that this was this is the tabloids love love kind of that kind of stuff but anyway the government will now say basically they're going to provide 36 schools what i predict is going to happen is they will provide 36 schools this one percent of schools with school hot uh, hot lunches every day they won't provide um any way for them to provide these hot lunches but they provide the money so they can buy the hot lunches and then say see ya do what you want um and then they will go to the uh, media or they'll go to international conferences and they will say well in ireland um we provide hot lunches to uh, pupils in ireland and um do you know what they won't be lying it's true it's true much like they say things like we provide an excellent arts education uh, through the creative uh, ireland project true but in less than 10 percent of schools or we provide a music generation to schools very true but schools have to cover half the cost they don't mention that or we provide um, a book rental scheme in, uh, in irish schools mm-hmm. about 20 percent of the actual cost or we fund primary schools <clears throat> yes the capitation grant and ancillary grants cover less than 70 percent of our costs and anyway, i'm sure there's loads of examples where the government basically not technically telling lies but uh you know sin by omission and all that um but interestingly enough anyway the 36 primary schools were um were selected randomly apparently um to have this hot meals program but they were very reluctant to say how many schools applied which is very odd so the irish times went off to get a freedom of information request and um they uh, wrote an article uh, a few weeks a uh, couple of weeks ago uh, basically saying that 506 schools applied for this hot schools program so a, ho- a total of 470 primary schools i'm reading now from this article have been refused a place on the government funded pilot scheme um to give children a hot meal during the day the Department of Employment Affairs and Social Protection, which earlier this month announced 36 schools of benefit in the coming weeks from the scheme, had repeatedly declined to disclose the scale of oversubscription. However, records under, uh, released under the Freedom of Information Act showed 506 schools applied, 14 times the number of places available. Um, the Society of St. Vincent de Paul, which works on issues including food poverty, said the figure illustrates the seriousness of the problem of families struggling to feed their children. Um, the CSO, the Central Statistics Office Survey of Income and Living Conditions, estimates that 1 in 11 uh, people in Ireland, so about 9%, um, I think I said 11% earlier, sorry, it's 9%, which is still very high, experience food poverty, defined as the inability to afford or have access to the food needed to make up a healthy diet. Um, the Minister for Social Protection, Regina Doherty, described the response to this scheme as enthusiastic. That's an interesting word, really. Enthusiastic would, would suggest that it was it was okay, like 36 schools. Well, enthusiastic might have been 50. No, 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 this is 14 times. That's more than enthusiastic. 
That's overwhelming. Um, she said recently that more than 6,600 pupils would benefit from the pilot scheme, 600 fewer no, uh, than announced in May. I mean, honestly, I mean, the, the, I just find that the, the spin doctors in there are uh, working overtime. Um, even even on small things like this, they need to make things sound much better than they actually are. Um, however, there are other interesting things mentioned in this article regarding the schools and their facilities. Um, because they don't mention these in, in government reports and, and the Irish Times um, thought was very interesting in what they were saying. A third of the applicants um, that, I don't know whether they're successful, but a third of the applicants that applied for this thing are not DESH schools, okay, which basically, uh, for those who don't know what DESH is, it, it's it's for disadvantage, providing extra support and resources to children in de- de- designatedly uh, disadvantaged areas. And more than 300 of the schools that applied, so 300 out of the was 500 or so schools said they've no cooking facilities, which is not unusual. So that's 60% of uh, the, the schools uh, said they've no cooking facilities. I, I mean, to be fair, I, I don't know too many schools that do have cooking facilities unless they put them in themselves. While more than 50 of the schools, so that's 10% of them, said they'd no running water for cooking. I, don't, I mean, I don't understand that really, to be honest with you. But anyway, in a letter uh, to the 470 schools refused to place, the department said the 36 successful schools were randomly selected, giving regard to geographical spread, numbers enrolled, range of suppliers, and the overall budget available for the pilot. Um, so I don't know what that means because they didn't list uh, 36 schools that uh, benefited. Um, I'm sure that's, uh, I couldn't find it myself, but I'm, I'm sure uh, our, our someone listening here might be able to find that for uh, for us and maybe might post it on our Facebook page. Um, Regina Doherty said 1 million euro would be spent on the hot meal scheme so for 36 schools it's 1 million euro that's not a lot of money i know for the department of education jeez it sounds like a lot of money though um and 2.5 million so it looks like they're going to double it uh, next year more than double it so 72 schools maybe 75 schools i don't know but really for once i agree with fina foil um on something um and uh, and even more so for once i agree with willie od um that he said there's no need to run a pilot scheme and the benefits of providing hot meals to pupils who need them is apparent and he says the whole purpose of running a pilot scheme is to see if the scheme will do any good you don't actually have to run a pilot scheme to see if it's good that kids from deprived uh, backgrounds get a hot meal and in fairness he's totally right it's evident it's self-evidently good he said and given the scale of the problem the government is only scratching the surface it is gesture politics and you know what i like that i haven't heard the word gesture politics or the phrase gesture politics i'm going to use a lot more thanks willie for that anyway but let's go back a few sentences to the facilities schools have or the lack of them do you hear that 10 percent of the schools that applied don't have running water to do cooking so i mean we're going to have problems with giving children lunches every day so let's say we actually do give a free hot meal or a free school lunch to, to every child in the country every day like we don't have the facilities um do we like do we have the facilities to to, to do this um i mean we, we, you know don't like not to mention, like, you know, I mean, fair enough, maybe some big schools have these kind of kitchenettes and things like that built into them. What about small schools that don't even have staff rooms or, or principal's offices and things like that? I mean, what about the space? I mean, halls are not big in Ireland. They're very, very small compared to other countries. You might fit maybe a hundred children to eat lunch in, 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 a, in, a, in a big PE hall. I don't know. Um... What about maybe we could deliver to classrooms like they do in Japan and, uh, and, and and some other countries like that? 
you know that's who's going to do that um how do we fit everybody into a hall if we are using a hall do we do staggered timetables um and then we have to get back we have to look at something because i was looking if you remember back to there's a few minutes ago about time our break times i mean if we think about our break times we get 40 minutes a day for all breaks 10 minutes generally in the morning 10 to 15 minutes in the morning grab a quick snack get outside and play so your break isn't just eating it's getting out and playing so it's throw food into your mouth get into your stomach get out as quick as possible to kick the ball um, and then yet big break you might get 25 minutes or 30 minutes depending on what little break you got and that is including your play time and your eating time so effectively five ten minutes throw the food into you get out and kick the balls uh, or whatever you do out there and like that's not good that is not good it's 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 something has to be done there something has to change so so really what are the solutions so if i were the minister for education i was providing a free school lunch to every pupil in the country now i don't know whether it'd be a hot meal or whether i do the the what we're doing at the moment the the cold meal the sandwich um drink and piece of fruit or, or something similar um you know I think let, let's go with the the idea of we were going to provide a hot meal though so i mean big schools there's no reason in big schools like big big schools not there's no reason not to have a full kitchen within a very big school i i, I don't think uh, maybe at this big kitchen could supply smaller schools around i mean there's usually that's that's possible i suppose i don't know um i mean there's an interesting company out there uh, called the school food company uh, who provide um uh, who actually build um a kitchen inside a big school in, in inside school um get staff and actually provide the food uh within the school um it's a very interesting concept um we're, we're currently um having a look at that i think we're the first primary school in my in my place to have a go of it and it's so far i mean we're, we're only a, couple, a week a week or two into it and and it seems very very good um uh, and um it's worth worth really checking out uh they're, they're, they have a lot of uh involvement in secondary schools obviously because there's more money in them so um well you know uh something something interesting about getting um a company into the school to actually make a source and make and supply the food um to to the pupils if if the school's big enough that's the thing but you know most schools aren't big in ireland so would the government fund let's say an already existing cafe or restaurant in town or a village or a community or in a community center to maybe do the catering you know and it, it, like it could be an existing cafe who already provides food for for people so you know would they not provide them basically with a uh, you know with more money so they could maybe have an extra member of staff to prepare a load of lunches which they could deliver to schools around the around the locality um, and also while they're providing uh, stuff for the community i mean it sounds like a very interesting uh, idea that goes back to my school hub um for my say how to save small schools episode i think uh, when i uh, there um or maybe um find it uh, do what they do already i mean what a lot of schools are doing get an existing company um like your likes of bradbury's carambola or the glanby or whatever they're called um and uh, and all those guys and actually rather than just simply giving throwing money at them manage it like create i don't think they need another maybe they don't need another quango uh, to provide school lunches but the, what they're doing right now is just throwing money and not really caring what goes about it so maybe they they would save money by um tendering the um school lunch program out to different localities um i suppose and and, and managing it and, and getting a bit of evidence around it look it would be especially helpful as well for small schools for things like that um 
and then the elephant in the room i think i think it's the elephant in the room and i, I touched on this a few minutes ago and i didn't answer it time we just don't have enough time um to eat um, if you think of France and Sweden and all these countries where it's like up to, you know, at least half an hour to eat, not just to play, to eat. Um, and we're, we're, I think, we're, I mean, most schools, you might get five, ten minutes. It's not enough and it doesn't make sense and it's not right. So I suppose, do we increase lunch time? Um, and if we do, what gives, if that's the case, do we stay extra in school then? Is that something we'd be willing to do to provide good lunches? Would we would we be willing to add an extra 20, 30 minutes to the school day um, so that children and, and us as adults can eat? I mean, you're a teacher, uh, probably, if you're listening to this. I mean, if you can think of half, t- the, let's say half 12 is lunchtime, you, the bell goes, you say, get out, get out to the kids. By the time you get down to the staff room, um, it could be 10 minutes is gone. You've got another... 10 15 minutes to, sh- to you're queuing up for the microwave maybe and by the time you get your food on your plate and, and and your cup of tea or whatever it might be you might have five minutes to shove it all into you so i mean would you do an extra 20 minutes a day to get um to get fed to get to, to for 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 uh for for lunch i don't know it's 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 just worth it's worth asking or do we look at the discretionary time that's there and maybe prioritize that i don't know it's it's a, it's a question um another issue coming up is, is does providing school lunches help in the long term uh, it's a question that needs to be asked because there's loads and loads of calls every year um about about school lunches oh we should provide more food but on that is we should be teaching children how to cook and you hear this all the time um that this is a really important skill and we should be teaching children how to cook now it's an interesting proposition look I mean, we should, I'm not, I don't think it's the same as the other nonsensical ones, like we should be teaching children how to drive or whatever, and because everyone does have to cook at some point. Now, I, I, I'm no chef, um, really, I like cooking, um, but I'm a teacher, and I don't know if, if my, my skills and repertoire uh, go into showing children how to cook, but if school has onboard catering, maybe it's possible to get them to help into the kitchen in terms of food prep and watching how food is cooked, but most schools don't have these facilities, and actually, to be fair, almost every school doesn't have these facilities and basically hot if it's hot food hot food's going to be prepared off the site anyway so um it's unlikely even that you know in that scenario that uh, children will see food actually being prepped so ultimately are, are we really helping the children by simply giving them food you know it's that that whole thing if you give a man a fish he'll eat for one day but teach a man to fish you know that i think it's that one isn't it um but um you know it's something i guess we'll have to look at um i think though it's something to look at at sec level i think we can give children food um until they're until primary school but in secondary school should we make home ec um compulsory in first year so children learn how to cook i think so i i think that that's that's something that could definitely happen they do have the facilities and if a school isn't doing home ec they need i i think uh, that's that's a, a short a shortfall that they need to they need to fix um and and pronto Anyway, my conclusion is uh, really for this. I, I think I've gone uh, on uh, to say to go through the history, go through the um, go through the go go through some of the things we might be able to do, go through some other countries and what they do and how it doesn't seem that unachievable really. Um, but basically, nine percent of Irish pupils are experiencing food poverty right now. I mean, that's you know almost you know it's one in eleven 
kids like so that means in your classroom of 30 three of your kids um, on average are experience food poverty now it's not confined to certain disadvantaged areas we know that now i mean yes it's more um concentrated in uh, in certain uh, disadvantaged areas but there isn't there probably isn't too many schools in the country where there is no food poverty um however even if they're not in poverty it's really important i think for children to eat something decent every day just because you're not in poverty um doesn't mean that you're eating well um, and actually children learn a lot or uh, from what other children eat so i mean you know i i have a kid and um you know when he's at home he he won't eat you know half the food you kind of give him um you know and he's in the mood but if he's in school geez he'd eat anything you know i, I remember you know he did the, the classic uh, of broccoli like i mean he actually in fairness my lad loves broccoli but you know that it's always used as the example but like if they won't eat a broccoli at home they go to school and you see them munching on it um you know they they, they, they learn from each other and they they're influenced by each other i think it's it's it, there's there's merit in it um but basically if as well as that if you're making lunch for the for the um a nine percent of kids every day you know what about why not the hundred percent i mean you're you may as well it's not it's not it's not that difficult yeah it's going to cost a bit of money um but i don't think it's going to cost a huge amount of money really i mean doing the sums if um you know it's going to be you know a few million euro but the benefits i mean look at finland i mean it can't be a coincidence that they have the best education system in the world and they have a free school 100 percent free school meals program it can't be a coincidence um you know as i said children get to try different foods and they might take an interest and it's probably not possible in primary schools to get children involved in cooking and preparation there's really no reason you can't give them a good start at trying different foods at primary level so that when when they reach second level they can learn how to make their own lunches and um you know maybe uh, uh maybe come up with their own uh ideas uh for lunches too look that's kind of uh, my thoughts on school lunches I, I hope they're of some use to you and uh, maybe any thoughts you might have you might share them on social media uh, i'm on facebook and uh, twitter and all the other channels that you might find on next week's show um it's all about the money um yes i mentioned in this episode that the irish government provide less than 70 percent of funding to cover all our bills i don't know if you remember that little tidbit of the things that irish governments do and so what do schools do to stay afloat well they fundraise and so next week i'm going to go through some of the ways i've seen schools fundraise i'm going to examine this the the businesses that have spawned because of lack of government funding in schools and i'm going to suggest that if i were the minister for education i would ban fundraising in primary schools in exchange for proper funding to schools um, I hope you enjoyed this episode and be sure to tune in every Wednesday morning just in time for your midweek slump. It's almost sure to get your blood boiling, although I don't know about this one. This one is a little less controversial than the last one. And maybe next week, I don't think anyone will be arguing really with me in there. And um, particularly if you were dressed in sequins and dancing to uh, the tango uh, in order to get your school uh, to, to keep the lights on. Anyway, this podcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify or any other podcasting app that you use by searching for either onshaw.net or or if I were the Minister for Education. I'd really, really appreciate you subscribing to the podcast so that each new episode will be available to you immediately after its release every Wednesday morning. Look, please also feel free to review my podcast, um, maybe give it five stars so others can find it more easily. Look, that's it. Lunch is over. Thanks a million for listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye-bye.